It is the difference, the intersection of politics and economics, Wall Street, K Street, your street. Dan O'Donnell here alongside Dave Spano, president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. The biggest business story in the world this week, also the biggest sports story, also the biggest news story. The Super Bowl, just the second one ever to go to overtime. An exciting game, boring first half, but the Kansas City Chiefs, San Francisco 49ers, certainly put on a show. Uh, Chiefs win. Taylor Swift gets a Super Bowl ring in her very first season in the NFL. Dave, very mm-hmm. impressive mm-hmm. for a rookie. She yes. was she was signed with the Kansas City Chiefs <laughs> long about September, October. And uh, she gets her championship, the fairy tale ending for the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, your thoughts, Super Bowl 58? Well, first of all, I did say early on, my son, who's a football player, I said, if they let Patrick Mahomes in this thing, he's going to make him pay because, you know, they had all those empty trips down yeah. and they did not score. But, you know, there's enough people talking about football. How about the business of the event, though? You know, $10,000 yeah. was the average price of a ticket to get in that place. And we saw all the superstars who were there. There was a thousand PJs. Thousand private jets in the Las Vegas area to come and see this thing. So there was no question it was an enormous event. Seven million dollars for just a thirty-second ad. Lots of business stories surrounds the Super Bowl, and not the least of which is just the sheer interest in it. And what's actually been fascinating to me, Dave, is we've been talking for years on this podcast about the fracturing of entertainment, meaning that there isn't any water cooler show anymore. Nobody is sitting around after 80 million people watched the finale of Seinfeld in 1998. I think the the, the closest thing we had was probably the Sopranos finale. That was 15, 16 years ago. Game of Thrones finale about five years ago in 2019. But the audiences there were far smaller. The only thing that really draws massive viewership, where people are talking about it the next day, really for days afterwards, is the Super Bowl. It's remarkable the NFL's sway on public consciousness. Football is literally the only thing people are watching on TV anymore. If you look at the top 20 shows, the NFL is part of that. But I argue it's bigger than I argue that sports is part of the entertainment industry. And you think about it, you could be sitting next to the most liberal person in the world and cheering for the same team. Well, and that's why I've always really, really liked the Taylor Swift infusion of the Super Bowl because and the NFL season, really. And I know there are a lot of dudes who are like, I don't want to see this woman. I'd rather see Jerry Jones's ugly face <laughs> that they pan to 15 times a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NFL has been trying since Super Bowl one to get women to care about football. Guess what? They finally do. Mm-hmm. In fact, there was a great commercial for a skincare product that I think aired pregame. It, it aired before the Super Bowl. It was put online. I thought it was fantastic. It's a dad and a daughter. And the dad desperately wants to talk to the teenage daughter who's wearing a whole ton of friendship bracelets. He's wearing a red jersey. They don't have the NFL rights. And clearly, Taylor Swift did not endorse this product. So they can't overtly say Taylor Swift. But the daughter is, you know, he's watching the game and she's, you know, kind of blowing him off and listening to music in her room. 
and he goes into her room, puts down a red number 13 jersey, which is, you know, Taylor Swift, and you see him wearing a bunch of friendship bracelets, and she's wearing the 13 jersey, and they're watching the game together. And the message, I think the explicit message was, A, try our skincare product, but also this is something that is bringing two disparate worlds of Swifties and football dads together. I actually found it in, the, in my own life. My nine-year-old daughter was very invested in the Kansas, as she calls them, the Kansas Swifty Chiefs. <laughs> because, and it got my wife involved, her best friend all rooting for Kansas City. Of course, I'm sitting in the middle of them rooting for San Francisco. They were one of my favorite teams growing up because of Jerry Rice and Joe right. Montana. Right. But it's been remarkable to see a brand new demographic, a long sought after demographic, come into the fold watching and caring about football this season. That's the power also of just how big you talk about how big the NFL is, how big Taylor Swift is as a business. Talk about the reach, not only from the Swifties, but just the bigger reach that it has. And now you can understand why these companies are paying $7 million for just a 30-second ad. You know, and let's talk about ads for just a second. Yeah. You know, you talked about, you know, what was the best commercial everybody wants to talk about it. So I'm interested in your opinion. Mine, of course, was uh, Ben Affleck, I thought was was pretty yeah. funny with Matt Damon, Tom Brady, and J-Lo. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that was by far the best. And then Dunkin' Donuts announcing on social media you could buy the Dunkings tracksuit that they were all oh, wearing nice. yeah. which that's just that's genius marketing right. i think in terms of the best traditional super bowl commercial like what raised brand awareness what did the best uh whatever it is that dunkin donuts is paying ben affleck it's not enough because <laughs> he had the one lat was that last year or two years ago where it was like a, a stealth viral marketing campaign where right. he's actually working the counter. He's working the drive through of a Dunkin Donuts in Massachusetts and people people pull up and there's Ben Affleck serving them their donuts and coffee. And now to do this, that was probably the most viral moment. I think the ads that really resonated the most that generated the most controversy were the he gets us mm -hmm. ad yep. with ai we've been talking for more than a year now dave about the integration of ai those uh images in the he gets us where it's people washing each other's feet which uh, there was a little bit of an ew factor uh there for me but it was, you know, Jesus washing his disciples' feet, and he gets all of us, and it's a it's a religious message, and people were debating over the theology of that and all of this. Also, how about one of the most memorable ads originally being commissioned in 1960? Do you know which one I'm talking about? The, oh, the RFK ad, I think, right? Yeah, yeah Kennedy, sure. Kennedy, right. Kennedy, yeah, Kennedy. For sure. I said, I said we need to bring back theme songs in— Political ads. I think 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 about it. Yeah, you've got idea. like the old school. You got Donald Trump's face, and you've got a chorus singing "Trumpety, Trumpety, 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 Trump." I mean, this writes itself, Dave. You, but it well, you just really, did it. You just did it. That's I it. think I think Get so. Rights. Trump, sign me up. I'll have your lyrics within forty-five minutes. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that's you know you talked about AI. I think that's a really good segue right here, is because it has been such a magnificent story. The makes magnificent yeah. seven. You know AI and, and artificial intelligence and really what it could be 
down the road in this new technology that's coming out. But those stocks, Microsoft, Google, NVIDIA, and the rest, if it was its own sector, would constitute 29% of the index, just those seven stocks. And you look at the rest and talk about the earnings that comes out of those stocks, they grew at 31%. You compare that to the other 493 stocks, only up 1.9%. So you look at you know why it continues to garner as much attention as it does is because it's growing. It's a good story. And the S&P 500 now closing over 5,000. We're starting to see a little bit of FOMO set in, fear of missing out. It's collecting lots of money. And obviously, where do we go from here? Two things. Number one, what does the Federal Reserve do? And number two is what are the earnings reports going to look like? And of course, we don't know what the Fed is thinking right now, other than that they're still not at their target because they're fighting wage inflation continues to be mm-hmm. over four, almost five percent and nine million open jobs. This fight may go on for a while. So does this mean I mean, the Fed has been telegraphing four, five, 27 rate cuts mm-hmm. in 2024. Yeah, I they mean, said three. And, the, the market said six, right? But yeah, they, right. They, the, the market was pricing in like, oh, my gosh. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking to myself, I, 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 I've said on this podcast, my wife and I are very blessed. We're building a house. We said by the time we convert that construction loan into a mortgage, it's going to be like 0.2%. <laughs> the Fed is just going to keep cutting. No. I'm like, come on, Jerome. Jerome, you're saving me hundreds of thousands of dollars here. The Fed's rate hikes have a lagging effect, a lagging effect. And if that happens, this could have an impact on interest rates at the end of 24 and 25. In other words, if this lagging effect slows down the economy to tipping on a potential recession, they are going to have to aggressively lower rates. So maybe in a weird way, this might work out for you for your personal mortgage if interest rates start coming back down, which could happen because it's generally about two years after the peak of interest rates that you start to see the lagging effect really kick in. That puts it into 2025. So if the incumbent wins, he's going to inherit a slowing economy. And if Trump wins, uh, obviously, you're going to, he's going to have an opportunity to do something with interest rates because he's going to put pressure on Chairman Powell. In fact, he said he wasn't going to even renew his contract. So we'll have to see what happens with interest rates. But it might work out for you, Dan. And that's all I really care about, Dave. Yeah, Let's you. be honest. That's, I, about don't, you. I do not care There's about no anybody else. No, no. There, <laughs> but there is, a a me. Me. there is a me. There is a me. No, I'm kidding, of course. But I, the, the, we've seen the housing market essentially stagnate because of the m- dramatic increase in interest rates. I think I saw it was the worst year or, or slowest year for home sales in the Milwaukee area in something like 20 years. But part, I mean, of, part of that years, is supply. I, I mean, you have to remember. Is, well, but, but, why, but why is there because no supply? Be, because because, because the nobody, interest rates are high. Right, and they nobody don't want wants to, turn to get over. out of a. Yeah. yeah, if I'm in a 3.5% interest uh, mortgage, why would I sell my home unless I absolutely have to and get a mortgage for 7.2%, right? It's, yep. I mean, this is thousands and thousands of dollars a year that it's uh, potentially costing people. So, I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot and say how many interest rate cuts are we going to see i we're at the we're at the point dave where the economy i mean forget about a soft landing first of all you need to be near the ground in order to land and we are nowhere near there buoyed of course by the magnificent seven right but but, if but there's got- no, there's no question that we're going to get cuts. It's just it's not a matter of whether we're going to get them. It's a matter of when and how much, right? So we are going to get cuts, and we're going to get cuts this year to some extent. It doesn't look like it'll be in March, but they've already went from quantitative easing to quantitative tightening. In other words, you know they used to go and buy all these bonds, and you remember 
that I was pounding the table a year and a half ago and saying, why are they buying mortgage bonds? They don't need to do that. The real estate market is standing up on its own. That was a mistake they were making. But right now they're starting to do quantitative tightening. So as these bonds roll off, they're not replacing them on their balance sheet. And that's what quantitative tightening is. And so we're going to start to, that'll continue to happen. The second piece is jawboning, which is they're talking about it. And the third piece will be rate cuts. And we're going to see all three of these this year. They know what's in front of them. If we start to see a slowing, a, a dramatic slowing for some reason, which is unlikely in front of the election, it could be a post-election blues issue. So we'll have to see what happens as we get into the end of 24 and into 25. But no matter what, people want to see rate cuts. The economist will tell you to fear the rate cut because that generally means one of two things. Either they won the war against inflation, which is unlikely, or two, the economy is really slowing down and they need to goose the economy. So those are the things we're going to have to look for. Uh, and by the way, folks, you know, the trees don't grow to the sky. You know, when we get to 5,000 on the S&P 500, you want to look at your portfolio. You know, why is it in there? Should I take some chips off the table, if you will, and start to reposition your portfolio? Now is the time to take a look at your portfolio. And that's why you really do need to go to AnnexWealth.com because they'll do for you what they did for me. Just take a look at everything, your entire financial picture, where you are in life, how soon the, you have to start paying for college. And to me, Dave, the biggest benefit in talking to Mike, who's been great working with us, Thank you. is that he understands what I could. And I, I, my goodness, I've been trained as a lawyer. I graduated from law school. And by the way, and by the way, about 165 mics running around here. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> everybody, everybody there is just so so good. I I mean, I can I can't speak highly enough about the organization, the people, the talent that you have working for you, Dave. It's just, it's incredible. What what Mike did for me and what one of the other 164 Mikes can do for you, <laughs> uh, Mike's or Michelle's, uh, what they can do for you is to tell you, hey, here are the tax implications of this. This is something that you might not be thinking about but I am. I always am. Here's how we are going to be able to best position you. AnnexWealth.com, free portfolio review. Do it. Do it today. For Dave Spano, president and CEO of Annex, I'm Dan O'Donnell. Thanks for listening to The Difference. Annex Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. Opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect those of Annex Wealth Management, its producers, hosts, or guests. The host of this podcast is compensated for his endorsement of Annex Wealth Management. Information presented should not be considered as tax, legal, or investment advice or recommendation or solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risks. Neither Annex Wealth Management nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.